What's up, guys, and welcome back to episode five of the Knuckle Sandwich Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Anderson, and today we're going over Jelton Almeida defeating Biggie Boy at the previous fight night, some news that has been released over the past week, and the Mackenzie Dern versus Angela Hill fight night coming up on the 20th. So grab your sandwich, put on the headphones, turn up the music, because here we go. Let's jump right into the swing of things. Okay, so this past weekend, we saw a big heavyweight fight that had a lot of swing in the division. Jailton Almeida defeated Biggie Boy Jarzinho Rosenstrike, round one rear naked choke. Now, as I said last week, there was going to be a lot of finishes on this card, and, and obviously there was because uh, the main event ended in the first round with a rear naked choke. Um, Jailton was able to land his second takedown. He missed the first one. Um... And honestly, he was able to get him out. He, he turned, grabbed his back. He grabbed the rear naked choke. Everything that he said he was going to do leading up to this fight, he did, right? He said he was going to take him to the ground. He said he was going to uh, uh, choke him out or, or submit him. He said all of those things. And he was able to do it pretty flawlessly. So, obviously, at number 12, he jumps into that top 10. But I think he's really should be fighting that possibly, you know, number 6, number 5, number 4 spot next uh, because of the impressive... Um, performance that he had over the past weekend. So he calls out Tai Tuivasa. I like the fight. I think it's another fight that he could say, hey, look, I'm going to take this this striker, take him to the ground, and show what I can do again. Um, which he has stand-up game also, but he hasn't had to show it. He's so dominant in getting people to the ground and taking them down because there's so few wrestlers in the heavyweight division now that he's able to do that easily and climb his way up to the rankings pretty fast. I'm not mad at the Tai Tuivasa fight. I think it's a good one. I think it should be fun. And I think it's a big ticket item. But I also think Alexander Volkov makes some sense as well, too, uh, to where he's fighting that six and seven number guy. I mean, you could make an argument to put him against Cyril. Uh, you can make an argument. You know, I mean, obviously Pavlovich is off limits. I think he fights for the title next. So, I mean, Cyril could make some sense as well for him. But I, I like the Tai Tuivasa and the Alexander Volkov for him. Now, when it comes to the Jarzino Rosen strike, there's one fight in my mind that when I look through, these guys haven't fought each other before, and I think it, 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 it would be fun. You bring it to Houston or something like that. Put him against uh, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis is now tied for the KO record with Matt Brown that we'll get into a little bit later. Um, you know, I think these two guys, they want to stand. They want to throw, and that's, that's the fights that they like. That's the fights that they want. Give them what they want, right? Put Jarzinho and Derek Lewis up against each other. Um, I think that would be the next fight to make for them. As we go to the co-main event, Johnny Walker defeated Anthony Smith by unanimous decision, and it was the leg kicks that were able to seal the deal. He was able to land a good amount of those in the first and second round. That Whenever the third round comes around, Anthony Smith is pretty immobile. He's not able to switch his stance anymore because he can't put weight on that left leg, um, if it is his back foot, to be able to gain power and, and throw off of it. So you had to keep it in the front, but he wasn't able to check those leg kicks when Walker was throwing them. He Walker had a very unorthodox style that um, was able to keep him disciplined throughout the whole fight. You don't see a lot of guys fight flat-footed anymore. And whenever we first started, I joked with a buddy of mine, Cameron, that we were both watching. We were like, did the screen lag? Because he walks out flat-footed, and he just stands there right in front of Anthony Smith. And basically, to me, that's showing Anthony Smith like, hey, I'm not backing down. 
you're going to have to come to me because I'm, I'm here, I'm ready to go, and I'm coming to you as well. And man, he got that knockdown in round one, and um, he was able to hold that distance the entire time uh, that, that they were fighting. So, yeah, I mean, Johnny Walker, we called it over Anthony Smith, unanimous decision. I thought there would have been a finish, but I think the impressiveness for him to be able to stay disciplined throughout the whole fight was more impressive than getting a knockout because Johnny Walker is one of those guys that he's crazy. He likes the, the craziness. He's like a Justin Gaethje, um, but it gets him knocked out most of the time like Justin Gaethje. So for him to be able to be disciplined and to come out against a, a guy with over 50 fights like Anthony Smith and to be able to control that distance and knock the legs out and, and things of that sort, it shows that he is disciplined and ready to fight some of those top guys. Obviously, this puts him in the top five. So what's next for him? I... I would like to see um, Pereira, Alex Pereira and Johnny Walker fight as, you know, Pereira's like entry fight to light heavyweight. I, I called that a few weeks ago. I thought that would be the biggest move or the best move. And seeing Johnny Walker fight Anthony Smith, that kind of solidified it for me more. They have very similar fighting styles. And so for me, that makes for a good fight. Um, normally, if you get two guys like, you know, that one is a striker, one's a grappler, it can make for a good fight, but also can make for a boring fight sometimes. So to have two guys that, again, want to fight, want to stand there, want to throw, um, I think that could be a really interesting fight and maybe put it in Brazil. Um, but really for Walker, I think anybody through that number two through four spot makes sense. You could you could argue Jan, you could argue Magomed, you could argue, um, I mean, any of those guys make sense for Johnny Walker to fight, right? So for me, I, I would like to see Alex Pereira, but I also think that any of the top four guys make sense for him. Moving on, the future is now. Ian Gary, the future, defeats Daniel Rodriguez round one via TKO. Um, he A very flawless performance. His stand-up looked great. He was able to control that distance. Daniel Rodriguez was putting on the pressure on him, getting him close to the cage, but overall, he was able to to uh, to land a lot of body shots with the right leg uh, in the beginning of the fight, which ultimately led to him having to drop that arm to the side, Daniel Rodriguez, that is, to where it opened up that head kick, which ultimately led to the knockdown, which ultimately led to the key KO. Now, um, listening to the post-fight interviews, Ian Gary said this is something that he trained multiple times whenever he's uh, over in London with Tom Brees and, and working with Rocky's uh, coach. And so... I think this guy is special, and I think he's going to continue to grow. So he improves to 12-0. He's now in the top 15 rankings. Calls out Neil Magny. I think that's a fantastic fight. Neil Magny is a veteran, right? He's got BJJ background. He's good wrestling. He's good in the clinch. He's good standing up. He's got length. I think that would be another big test for Gary to really solidify him in that top 15, top 10 slot. Um, so I like that fight. I think it's something that could, you know, make a lot of sense so I, I love the call out I think it's the right one and I think it's a good path a good challenge for Ian Gary uh, to continue his his climb up the ladder uh, our next fight that we bet on was Matt Brown and Court McGee and we got this one right again we went four for four so I hope you're trailing the parlay but Matt Brown over Court McGee round one knockout um, was able to land that over the top right hand, almost elbow-esque. If you remember, Matt Brown has this huge knockout with the elbow um, that's on all the highlight reels, and it almost reminded me of that. But Court McGee kind of comes in, throws this left hand. Matt Brown takes a step back, grits his teeth, and just throws that right. They both meet in the middle. Ultimately, Court falls to the ground. And with these two veterans, they know they're later in their career. There was kind of that mutual respect of like, hey, 
if you just lay there, I'm not gonna hammer fist you. And so, <laughs> and uh, so uh, ultimately, Matt Brown gets the KO in round one. Now, that's his 13th knockout in the UFC, which now ties Derek Lewis for the all-time most knockouts in the UFC. I saw a tweet uh, from Conor McGregor saying that he's going to chase it because, you know, Matt Brown's old and blah, blah, blah. And Matt Brown responded, I'd love to break the record by beating you. How cool would that be if... Now, obviously, that's not ever going to happen, I don't believe. But um, it would be very, very neat and cool to see uh, Matt Brown knock out Conor McGregor t <laughs> to get uh, the KO title. But obviously, that's not going to happen. But uh, Matt Brown tied as the KO king now. Now, another shout-out on this uh, a fight that we did not cover. Brian Battle over Gabe Green. 14-second knockout in his home state. Man, and it was a slugfest. Gabe Green came out. He was pressuring early uh, and fast. They get into a little slugfest, and ultimately he lands a good right hook that just flatlines him, um, and, and the crowd goes wild. So that was a cool, cool experience also on this fight card. A lot of finishes, like I called out last week. So... I hope you're listening to this podcast because it turns out I kind of know what I'm talking about. Uh, again, these are all my opinions, though, so sometimes I have no idea what I'm talking about. Anyways, on to the news. Um, this week, it was announced that RDA and Vicente Luque was moved to August 12th, um, which, you know, it just gives a little bit more time for these guys. So, all right with that. Just filling you in, guys, on that one. Um a London main event has been announced. Tom Aspinall making his return since his injury with Curtis Blades fighting uh, Marcin Tybura. And I think it's a good fight for uh, for the entry back into the division. I wish, I, I really do wish that they would have just said, hey, we're going Blades and, uh, and Tom Aspinall here. But I understand it. I get it. Like, you can't just throw him back into the Wolves. So... Marcin Tybura, number 10, Ty, and Tom Aspinall, number 5. It makes sense. I like it. I think it's a good fight. Um, I think it's a good one for Tom Aspinall. I, I don't think it's a walk in the park. I think that it's going uh, to be a challenge for Tom, but I think he's able to get it done in London in the main event. Holly Holm and Myra Bueno Silva has been announced for July 15th as the main event for that fight night. I think that's a good fight. Holly Holm just came off a win. Um... And so I think that could be another way for her to get back in that title contention for one last run. And uh, last week, Dana White said that um, Figueredo was still fighting Cape. Cape. It's not happening, but it was announced that um, Davison Figueredo is making his move to bantamweight. And I think, you know, last week we talked about Aljamain Sterling um, needing that that uh, competition, right? Like he was talking about moving up to fight Volk after O'Malley. I don't think that makes sense. And I think that he needs more competition. Well, I think that Davis and Figueredo could give him that competition. Figueredo is a big uh, 125er. So for him to move up to 135, I think he's going to be able to put on a little bit even more mass. He's going to be fast. And I think it could be another tough test uh, down the road for Aljamain Sterling if Aljo decides to stay in that bantamweight division. So... That is all the news that we have this week. Now, uh, on for my questionnaire that I gave uh, last week on Spotify, I asked, who was the fighter that got you into MMA or UFC? Now, if you know me, I grew up in a uh, MMA gym, boxing gym as a child. Uh, so this is all like, like I'm an, I consider myself, quote unquote, an old head, even though I'm only 24. So for myself, 
There was two guys. Ooh, I, I don't. There were so many. You had Anderson Silva, Rampage Jackson, Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, BJ Penn, GSP, Matt Hughes. I mean, all these guys, the OGs, the pioneers that I consider that have made the game today what it is. Obviously, you have like Hoist Gracie and Dan Severn and Shamrock and all them back in the day. But really, when I when I have to pick a Mount Rushmore of my old uh, people that got me into UFC, it's got to be Anderson Silva. Rampage Jackson, uh, hmm, George St. Pierre, and man, y'all ever watch Kimbo Slices like, uh, <laughs> y'all ever watch Kimbo Slices like street fight videos? And that was something to see. And whenever he made that splash in the UFC with the Ultimate Fighter, that was cool. Wasn't one of my top guys, but uh, I think Rampage, GSP, Anderson Silva, and honestly, I would say Chuck Liddell were the four guys that really got me, myself, into the UFC. Uh, honorable mentions to, you know, like BJ Penn, uh, Matt Hughes, Rich Franklin, Forrest Griffin, Randy Couture. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the guys that, like, for me, are like the founding founding fathers of what the UFC is today. Now, back in the day when the UFC first started, we really saw a big mix of mixed martial arts not everybody was learning everything there was in martial arts you had bjj guys fighting straight up boxers uh like tank abbott if you know who that is your og so to uh to see the combination the founding fathers of the combination of all mixed martial arts those four guys are my guys gsp rampage jackson anderson silva and um chuck liddell now moving into this coming weekend's um Fight night, we've got Mackenzie Dern and Angela Hill. When I look at the statistics for this fight, um, you've got a striker versus a grappler, right? But when we look at Mackenzie Dern, the, the grappler here, when we look at her uh, a takedown accuracy, it's really low. And I think that with having okay takedown defense in Angela Hill, as a striker, as long as you can keep it on the feet, I think she's got Mackenzie Dern beat. Um, so. So for uh, Angela Hill to beat Mackenzie Dern, you have to be able to stay on the feet. And if you, if you do that, I believe she wins. So I'm going Hill over Dern in the main event. When we go down to the co-main, we got Edmund Shabazian and Anthony Hernandez. And I've got Edmund over Hernandez. And it solely is, again, striker versus grappler. We have to make sure that we keep the distance and defend the takedowns. I think it's going to be a good night for the strikers, to be honest. Um, I really do. So Edmund Shabazian over Hernandez in the co-main event. We are seeing Joaquin Buckley, and if you know Joaquin Buckley, he's got that cool uh, highlight of the, the guy catches his body kick, he does a couple of jumps, and then turns around and does that spinning kick in the air, knocks him out. It was a big thing like a year or two ago. He is making his debut at welterweight now, and he was a sick 185er, but he was short, right? So I think moving down to 170 is something smart for him. Um, I think that it's going to... He's going to have extra size. Like, he's bigger than Kamaru Usman, and Kamaru Usman's a big 170. So he's going to have size on his side, and I think that he should have some speed as well um, with dropping some of that weight. So I think that uh, he's fighting Andre Fialo, and um, Fialo has lost his last two by knockout or TKO. And so I think that with him being a faster and strong welterweight, I think Joaquin Buckley can take this fight um, standing up and, and knock him out 
um, or just just beat him. So I'm I'm going Buckley over Fialo uh, as our third pick. And so my sleeper pick um, for this card, we've got Chase Hooper, aka Ben Askren's son. Uh, if you know, then you know. Versus Nick Fiora, and um, this is the tale of two grapplers here. Two guys that love to be on the ground. They both have a lot of submission victories, but Hooper has a little bit more experience. And he has more power in his hands. He's been able to knock people out. Um, I believe he has four, four uh, finishes of standing up and five on the ground. I think that for Chase Hooper, his recipe, I think he can go either way. I think he's going to be safer standing up with Nick Fiore. So I'm going Chase Hooper over Fiore, but he has to keep it standing as well. Or he could really go to the ground. I mean, he's got some options there in my opinion. So, again, my top four picks, Hill, Edmund, Buckley, Hooper for UFC Fight Night, Dern versus Hill. Thank you again for listening to episode five of the Knuckle Sandwich Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you uh, you have learned to follow me on these these uh, parlays and I hope that you continue to listen to my greatness when I speak about my predictions. I'm just kidding. Um, anyways, again, if you're trailing our bets and our parlays, please do. I hope you hope you win some money. But if you uh, do follow and we lose, it's not my fault. I promise you sign the waiver. You sign the disclaimer. I hope you guys have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. Uh, we are going to start trying to post on Monday mornings around 9 or 10 a.m. So be on the lookout for an earlier show. And I hope you guys have a great week. See you next week.